everyone. Welcome to It's Taboo, a new podcast about social content considered taboo. Thank you for clicking play on your podcast app. My name is Zen. I'll be your host. Welcome to the show. So It's Taboo generally focuses on subjects considered taboo. Since I live in the United States, a majority of the topics we'll talk about will be specific to the United States. So today's homosexuality topic is about homosexuality within the United States. So a lot of the information I'll be giving you has receipts, and those receipts are available on my Twitter page at It's Taboo Podcast. So feel free to go by there, take a look at the articles that I have posted for a little bit more information on the breakdown of the data that I am giving you. So in a 2013 Pew Research Center survey of LGBT adults, they said society had been more accepting of them in the previous decade. And a good example is the 63% of Americans in 2016 who said homosexuality should be accepted, compared with 51% of Americans in 2006. So this is a good thing specifically for those living in the United States. We are a country that has a tendency to be ruled by Christian doctrine or puritanical standards. So to be open-minded and include the LGBT community is always a great thing. Everybody bleeds the same color and love is love. So the number of people who identify as LGBT is also rising. 10 million people of the US adult population identify as LGBT in 2016, and that was just a few years ago. And that is according to a Gallup poll. Interestingly enough, that indicates an increase from 8.3 million people who identified as LGBT in 2012. So you see that the numbers are rising. And it should be noted, surveys provide a glimpse into the LGBT community However, some rely on respondents self-identifying as LGBT. And it's a technique that's used in surveys such as the Gallup and the Pew Research Center polls. Other challenges include the stigma of identifying as LGBT in some cultures, which could be another reason why some of the numbers are a little skewed. Now, a long time ago, before any of this made sense to anyone here in the United States, we have to ask ourselves, where did this taboo about homosexuality come from. So, before the high middle ages, and you're probably asking, well, what are the high middle ages? And I am so glad you asked. The high middle ages, or high medieval period, depending on your history teacher, King James was gay, was a period of European history that lasted from around 1000 to 1250 AD. So it was a long, long time ago. And during this time, homosexuals were tolerated or ignored by the Christian church. It was the latter of the 12th century when attitudes began to change and hostility began to take root and spread throughout Europe. <coughs> now, religious teachings were eventually incorporated into legal sanctions. We see this everywhere. Fast forward to the time of the Mayflower and puritanical beliefs, and we land at a group of colonies with staunch puritanical beliefs, hardcore. It can be seen as a foundation in some schools of thought on why the USA is modest about sex, but that's a podcast for another day. Another nugget of knowledge is in some American Indian cultures, having same-sex attraction was called being two-spirited. The tribe honored such people as having special gifts and being especially blessed. But again, that's a podcast for another day. So let's get back to homosexuality. 
So by the end of the 19th century, medicine and psychiatry are becoming mainstream. The shift of beliefs considered homosexuality an illness because a sick person was less blameful than a sinner or a criminal. This is where you'll start hearing the name Freud. So Freud, Sigmund Freud, and Havelock Ellis come into play, both adopted more accepting stances about homosexuality. It's early in the 20th century, and Ellis believes homosexuality was inborn and not immoral and not a disease. He concluded many homosexuals made outstanding contributions to society. Now, Sigmund Freud's theory was different. He believed the basic theory of human sexuality was different. He believed all humans were bisexual and they become heterosexual or homosexual as a result of their experiences in life. So ultimately, Freud and Ellis agreed that a homosexual orientation should not be viewed as a form of psychology because they didn't believe it was something clinical. It wasn't a decision or a choice that you were making. <clears throat> so fast forward to the time of Hitler and the Nazi era. Most of us have heard of the pink triangle gay men were required to wear in Nazi concentration camps during World War II. Lesbians were sometimes required to wear a black triangle. Now that's news to me because I had always heard about the pink triangle and the lambda letter, but I had never heard of the black triangle. So pretty interesting stuff. So as I had mentioned, the lambda, the Greek letter associated with some of the aggressive factions of the LGBT community, the lambda can signify several things, including liberation, unity, synergy, or the scales of justice. Scholars note that the symbol also appeared on the shields of Theban warriors. I bring that up because the band of Thebes is believed to have been a group of fierce and dedicated male lover warriors. But that's a podcast for another day. So during this time, we love the LGBT community, and you'd be surprised to know that the Harlem Renaissance is a significant moment in the history of gay African Americans. That's when LGBT men and women played a crucial role in the literary and musical renaissance that made Harlem famous in the 1920s. So if you have a chance, go on YouTube, type it in, go ahead and search and see if you can find some cool music to listen to. So now we fast forward to the Kenzie Report. It was a study by Dr. Kenzie, who most people have heard of. I believe there was a movie made about the Kenzie Report. And it pretty much just was almost like a litmus test for American adults. It turned out that many more Americans than previously suspected had engaged in homosexual behavior or had experienced same-sex fantasies. And this was huge because this finding cast doubt on the widespread assumption that homosexuality was practiced only by a small number of social misfits because it was considered deviant. But in addition, there have also been military studies who have uh, had subjects that they also reported on. Mr. Barubi reported the results of a previously unpublished study conducted by military physicians and researchers during World War II. These studies challenged the equation of homosexuality with psychopathology, as well as the stereotype that homosexual recruits could not be good soldiers. Now this is from the military, Mr. Barubi. <clears throat> a common conclusion in their wartime studies was there was no evidence to support the common belief that homosexual leads a useful, productive life conforming with all dictates of the community except 
its sexual requirements and was neither a burden nor detriment to society. It goes on to say that for them being so good at what they did, they performed extremely well in various military jobs, including combat, and confronted with overwhelming empirical evidence and changing culture views of homosexuality, psychiatrists and psychologists altered their views beginning in the 1970s. And this is huge, because in the 1970s, things were beginning to change with regard to homosexuality and how we were seeing it. Attitudes are still continuing to shift and the acceptance continues to grow for the LGBT community. There's advocacy to be done to reduce the stigma. And while 42% of LGBT people report living in an unwelcoming environment, stigma or information is so strong it can affect youth. Six in 10 LGBT students report feeling unsafe at school because of their sexual orientation. The Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy, which restricted lesbians, gays, and bisexuals in the military from openly serving, was lifted in 2011. People who are transgender are not permitted to serve openly yet. And so there is still a lot of work to be done, but the great thing is the conversation is being had. And a lot of the times we assume that being homosexual is a choice that we make. You'll be pressed to find anyone who will tell you honestly that they decided to be gay. A lot of the things that our parents wished for, unfortunately, did not happen when we came out of the closet. And I have this wonderful story from an ex-partner of mine whose dad was a traditional New England uh, top dog, you know, very much a man's man. And so when he wanted to come out, he was really worried that his dad would disown him because it, it was just in his wheelhouse and his frame of thinking that he thought that this was possible. So unfortunately, his partner at the time uh, outed him to his mother and his family, and it was that moment when they found out that he was gay. But his dad wanted to know where he was so he could talk to his son and tell him he loves him and nothing was going to change. His biggest fear was that if he did not reach his son in time, that he would do something foolish or stupid on, on this idea that his dad hated him. And his dad just wanted him to know, I do not hate you. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful story. Because it truly is. Most of the time, we hesitate telling our parents because, number one, we don't want to disappoint them. And we're also embarrassed. There is a bit of shame that comes from coming out to your parents but we do it because we want to live our truth and we want our family and our friends to know us, the real us. So I want to say thank you to all the subscribers, listeners, new listeners, followers from across the globe. Many and much thanks for clicking that button on your podcast app. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your friends. that The podcast is available for free on any app that supports podcasts. Until next time, friends, be the change you want to see in the world. Thank you. Have a great day.